When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. As a Democratic congressman asked the trillion-dollar question whether James Comer and the House Oversight Committee and their indicted fugitive Chinese agent witness have, quote, jeopardized homeland security in their search to help Donald Trump, Comer and Nancy Mace and Speaker McCarthy and all the others attached at the hip to Gall Luft have Thelma and Louise the thing, and they are headed right for the edge of the Grand Canyon at 150 miles an hour. Because the guy they let take the wheel is, well, Congressman Jared Moskowitz specified all this in some letters Wednesday, but he really let loose on Comer's Oversight Committee yesterday at a meeting of Comer's Oversight Committee. They want to talk about national security. That's why you guys are here. It's about national security. But the main committee is working with an indicted Chinese agent who does business with the Iranian regime and is an illegal arms dealer to Libya. All of this in order to own Hunter Biden. That's how far they've stooped, because I'm deeply worried about whether the CCP has manipulated the information that's been provided this committee through their foreign agent that they're working with and the information that they're then providing to the American people. It's also why I sent a letter to the chairman of foreign affairs and the chairman of homeland security, because I need to know and the American people need to know, they have a right to know whether the indicted foreign agent, the illegal arms salesman who is working within the Iranian regime, who is a supporter of terrorism around the world, that's who they're working with. We need to know whether they have jeopardized homeland security in their search to help Donald Trump in his reelection. Yeah, fugitive gun running, embargo breaking, unregistered Chinese agent bribing Trump advisor. Well, when you put it that way, it's a lot. Congressman Moskowitz is not yet trying to put this directly under noses at homeland security, but that is the inevitable outcome. Gall Luft is indicted as a Chinese agent, and the Republicans are trying to use him to help Trump seize power. People go to prison for things like this. 
It's a lot. In fact, it is enough that even Lindsey Graham says if the charge is accurate, Gal Luft's, quote, activities as an unregistered foreign agent go to his credibility. Now, look. Even Lindsey Graham sees this, but instead of fleeing from Galluft and his puppet or puppeteer James Comer and the Hunter Biden scandal fairy tale and fleeing from them faster than Galluft himself fled from the authorities after they arrested him in Cyprus, Kevin McCarthy has hugged Galluft tighter than ever before to his bosom. We have all seen that while McCarthy is clever, clever like a rodent who has learned the quickest route through the maze to get to the cheese that is the speakership, McCarthy is really not a bright guy. He has concluded that the revelation that his star witness in the supposed case against Hunter Biden was indicted long before any of this started last November for bribing a Trump transition team official for illegally running guns, for acting as an agent for China, for violating the embargo on Iranian oil and the other embargo on deals with Libya, that none of that undermines the supposed case against Hunter Biden, this debacle a debacle that has now collapsed on top of Kevin McCarthy twice this week alone, and for which Comer has now scheduled another hearing next week so it can get undermined anew and collapse on McCarthy yet again. Undermine? What do you mean, undermine? No, it wouldn't undermine the case, because if you extrapolate that even further, um, the, the Justice Department went after him. Well, Hunter Biden received more money from the same foreign... CEFC company that this informant did, much more. Um, so it, it only made the case stronger that the government really didn't look into Hunter Biden. Now would be the right time to explain this whole thing with the Chinese energy company, CEFC, that Gal Luft and Hunter Biden did indeed do work for, both of them, and why the similarity ends there. And why it is a dangerous thing to let a man as dumb as Kevin McCarthy try to, quote, extrapolate anything when it is a remarkable development that in that soundbite that you just heard, Kevin McCarthy managed to spell CEFC correctly. Here is the Kevin McCarthy, Jamie Comer extrapolation. Are you ready? Hunter Biden consulted for the Chinese energy company CEFC. Thus, to the Republicans, that means Hunter Biden worked for CEFC. Thus, to the Republicans, that means Hunter Biden took money from CEFC. Thus, to the Republicans, that means the entire Biden family was bankrolled by CEFC. Thus, to the Republicans, that means the entire Biden family was bribed by CEFC. This is known not just as extrapolation, but also as sophistry. Let's use exactly the same extrapolation process here, but let's use it about somebody else and one of their employers. The somebody else is me. I used to be the lead sportscaster 
for Fox Sports News owned by Rupert Murdoch and News Corp. Thus, to the Republicans, that means I worked for Rupert Murdoch and News Corp. Thus, to the Republicans, that means I took money from Rupert Murdoch and News Corp. Thus, to the Republicans, that means the entire Olbermann family was bankrolled by Rupert Murdoch and News Corp. Thus, to the Republicans, that means that the entire Olbermann family was bribed by Rupert Murdoch and News Corp. I think I am spotting a subtle failure in the chain of logic there. In reality, Hunter Biden consulted for this Chinese energy company, CEFC. There is no evidence of any crimes, no evidence that he had anything to do with the crimes that didn't happen. There's no evidence that the projects CEFC paid him to consult on even came to pass. There is no accusation against him of crimes involving CEFC. If he did not pay his taxes here on those consulting fees, well, maybe that's why he agreed to plead guilty to a charge of not paying his taxes. This is the difference between Hunter Biden and CEFC and Gall Luft and CEFC. On November 1st of last year, Gall Luft was indicted for, paragraph 12 of the Luft indictment spells it out, Gall Luft brokered illegal arms deals on behalf of CEFC with Libya, also with Kenya, also with the United Arab Emirates. Hunter Biden, no illegal arms deals on behalf of CEFC. And here's another difference between Hunter Biden and CEFC and Gall Luft and CEFC. As paragraph 13 of the Luft indictment spells it out, Gall Luft broke the embargo on Iran by selling Iranian oil and claiming it was Brazilian oil on behalf of CEFC. Hunter Biden, no Iranian oil on behalf of CEFC. No oil at all. All right, maybe in some of those videos. And here's another difference between Hunter Biden and CEFC and Gall Luft and CEFC. As paragraph 19 of the Luft indictment spells it out, Gall Luft bribed a member of then-president-elect Trump's transition team on behalf of CEFC. It is widely reported that the member was former CIA director James Woolsey. Hunter Biden, no bribe, no Trump transition team, no Jim Woolsey. And here's one last difference between Hunter Biden and CEFC and Gall Luft and CEFC. As paragraph 19 of the Luft indictment also spells it out, Gall Luft not only bribed the guy, but he left an email trail about it, quote, advising that he had successfully recruited individual one for a fee. Hunter Biden, no email trail, no recruiting, no individual one, no fee. So Gall Luft and Hunter Biden are exactly the same. And I am currently being bribed by Fox News. This is correct. If you are Kevin McCarthy or if you are a moron, which is the same thing. McCarthy's lone defense here is Chairman Comer is even dumber than he is. Comer has not just scheduled more hearings next week about this crap. 
He has scheduled more hearings starring the other con man in the case, the discredited so-called whistleblower Gary Shapley and the unnamed second whistleblower whom the Republicans have variously described as and named. And I'm serious about this. I am not making this part up. The second whistleblower the Republicans have variously described as, quote, whistleblower X and, quote, the gay Democrat. America's going to get to see who witness X is. And uh, I think that uh, both witnesses are going to have a wealth of information that they're going to be able to share with the House Oversight Committee. You got to hand it to Comer. The old joke is so-and-so is not the kind of man who sits around and acts rationally when the situation calls for panic. But this situation, if you're Jamie Comer, it calls for panic. And Jamie Comer is not panicking. I suspect there are two explanations for this. Again, seven and a half years ago, James Comer was Kentucky's Commissioner of Agriculture and Chairman of the Kentucky Industrial Hemp Commission and failed candidate just to get the nomination for governor. This is not an experienced nor a smart guy. This is not a guy experienced nor smart enough to know that he indeed might just have fallen off the turnip truck. Part two, I think Comer watches Fox News and Newsmax and reads the New York Post, and rather than recognizing all that as propaganda that he could utilize, he, he, actually, he actually believes all of it. The primary creative writer pushing the gall-loof nonsense is a woman named Miranda Devine, who only returned to this country to work for the New York Post about three years ago, and it seems as if the principal rationalization for her getting that jump was Trump retweeted her. I swear. She's washed out of journalism on three continents, worked briefly in architecture and in textiles, textiles wait jamie comer was commissioner of hemp it's a scandal no it's a it's a coincidence divine writes as i said for the new york post and thus 40 years of experience tells us what appears in that paper under her byline must be presumed to be false as she once pushed the claim that white genocide was underway in australia she now pushes the claim that hunter biden quote had an fbi mole named one eye and she breathlessly wrote that the mystery Biden witness had, quote, gone missing in Cyprus. A lot of the Comer House gang then implied that the witness had met with foul play when, as we now know, no, he, he jumped bail and ran away in Cyprus and became a fugitive from international justice, as one does when one is a whistleblower and truth teller. By the way, yesterday, Starlink announced its satellite access is now online in Cyprus. And hey, maybe they could use it to find Gal Luft. Nine days ago, just a coincidence here, a video made by Luft inexplicably turned up in the hands of Miranda Devine. There are two other primary salespeople here. One is actually a surprise. One is not. Maria Bartiromo responded to the unsealing of the Luft indictment Wednesday by interviewing McCarthy and doing nearly all the talking. 
This guy who tried to tell the FBI and the DOJ what he knew about the transactions, business deals in the Biden family. Now he had to go on the run and is getting indicted, unquote. In point of fact, he had already been indicted 254 days earlier, which Maria Bartiromo was either too stupid or too dishonest to mention. Or both. But so far, the dumbest conclusion sold to James Comer and other viewers and believers in this crapola was made by Fox's John Roberts. Though he has long since been assimilated into the Fox Borg, little moments of his days as an anchor on the CBS Evening News occasionally escape, though not in this case. Here, he sounded much more like his even earlier incarnation, hard-charging mid-70s top 40 disc jockey J.D. Roberts of Toronto powerhouse CHUM Chum Radio. Quoting J.D., quoting John, the fact that he's been arrested now and is accused of being an agent of China has got the left just having a field day with this, saying it shreds his credibility. But the flip side of that coin is, if you're accused of being a foreign agent for China, you probably know who else is working with them. Unquote. Because yes, John. The first rule of international spycraft is that you make sure that all of your international covert agents operating in other countries know the names and addresses of all of your other covert agents. And now number one on the Chum Top 40, Magic by Pilot. Thank you, Pilot. Thank you, Nancy Faust. One postscript to one of the themes here, the helpful deterioration in the, shall we say, mental acuity of the Republicans in Congress. Eli Crane is a freshman Republican from the Arizona Second, and more importantly, he is the co-founder of Bottle Breacher. That is a company that manufactures bottle openers made out of the leftover casings from 50 caliber shells. And Congressman Bottle Breacher yesterday, he made a little oopsie. He made a little oopsie on the floor. His own 50 caliber shell kind of went off prematurely. Well, Mr. Chairman, though, that was unbelievably inspiring. My amendment has nothing to do with whether or not colored people or black people or anybody can serve, okay? It has nothing to do with color, skin, any of that stuff. What we want to preserve and maintain is the fact that our military does not become a social experiment. We want the best of the best. We want to have standards that guide who, who's in what unit, what they do. And I'm going to tell you guys right, right now, the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans, they are not they are not doing this because they want the strongest military possible. I Gentlemen, hope my colleagues on the other side can understand what we're doing. Thank you so much. Mr. Speaker, it's going to be recognized 
to have the words colored gen- people. For what purposes generally seek recognition? I'd like to be recognized to have the words colored people stricken uh, from the record. I find it offensive and very inappropriate. Congressman Eli, think of all the things I could have called them, Crane, co-founder of the company that makes bottle openers out of leftover casings from 50 caliber shells in case you want to mix the thrill of Canada Dry ginger ale and the risk of blowing your own limbs off. Where do we find these idiots? Also of interest here, you've heard the lead traditional news story, but let me tell you this lead traditional news story from a perspective you may not have heard before, nor even considered. What is probably the biggest factory town in this country has ground to a halt now because two of the three critical unions that represent virtually everybody in the factories in the factory town have gone on strike. The factories are film and television studios. The town is Los Angeles, and 18 out of every 1,000 employees in Los Angeles works in entertainment, and the other 982 would like to. L.A., factory town, on strike. That's next. This is Countdown. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Washington, snark of the year. The first voice you will hear is, of course, Congresswoman Barney Rubble. The second voice you will hear is Congresswoman Sydney Kamlager Dove from South L.A., and she is our winner. We should be defending our border and not proclaiming our righteousness, talking about a war in Ukraine. With that, Mr. Speaker, I yield. Gentlewoman's time has expired for uh, the gentlewoman from California is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I request an Advil and yield one minute to Representative Joe Wilson from South Carolina. Thank you, Congresswoman Sydney Kamlicker Dove. By the way, of late, every time I have seen or heard Marjorie Taylor, Barney Rubble, white supremacist Karen Green, I have thought one thing and one thing alone. A future headline appears in my mind that reads, Woman Arrested for Shoplifting Steroids. Nancy Faust, Dateline Hollywood, SAG-AFTRA has gone out. The actors now joining the writers on strike. There are very few regional secrets in this country anymore. But this story includes one of the ones I have discovered that people do not know still exist, especially people who have never lived in Los Angeles or Southern California. The secret is this. Los Angeles, all of SoCal, from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, is a factory town, and a SAG-AFTRA strike following upon the heels of a WGA strike, a Writers Guild strike. And in six months, Southern California will sink into something akin to the Great Depression. Los Angeles may be America's last factory town. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says 18 out of every 1,000 employees just in the stretch from L.A. to Long Beach, 18 out of 1,000 work in entertainment. But that just scratches the surface. Those are the people with full-time jobs in entertainment. I lived for two and a half glorious years at a great hotel in Santa Monica called Shutters. And I knew all the staff, and I knew all the waiters at both the great restaurants. And a couple of years later, when I was back in town, I went in there for breakfast, and my old pal Steve, the waiter, brought me my granola and said, I got it! I got it! So the granola's on me! What Steve had gotten was the role of the fake husband-to-be in the reality show My Big Fat Obnoxious Fiancé. And for six weeks, Steve Bailey was the talk of American television. And the next year I came back into town and I went in for breakfast. And you know who brought me my granola? Steve. 
I think Steve counts as one of those full-time entertainment people because he banked that money and built on that to a full-time career as an actor, other than the money he spent on my granola that one time. 98% of the members of the Combined Screen Actors Guild at American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, 98% do not make their living acting. For every Steve, there are 1,000 people who want just to be Steve. All the other waiters envied Steve, and they were and are vastly outnumbered by the people who want to write for Steve. If the population of the L.A. megalopolis is 18,490,242 people, my guess of the number of residents who have never worked in entertainment or a business that serves entertainment or who have never tried to work in entertainment, out of that 18,490,242 people, my guess is... The people who've never tried to be in entertainment, those last 242. The first of the two times I lived in L.A., the CBS station used to put the news on at 4 o'clock. They went through till 6.30, then they cut out to Dan Rather's CBS Evening News, and they came back at 7 with another half hour of entertainment news. Not entertainment tonight with reviews and celebrity features and goofy anchors. Stock reports only about the stocks of Disney and Viacom and CBS and all the rest. The news of the newest vice president hired at Warner Brothers. Which movies were going into production? Which were going into the theaters? No glitz, no glam, just the money. I find a New York Times article from September 1990, which is perfect for my point, because it was right in the middle of my tenure at that CBS TV station in L.A. And the article is mind-boggling because it can't have gotten any better in the ensuing time. It's mind-boggling unless you ever lived in L.A., to which you would go, yeah, I know. 33 years ago, the Writers Guild, which would register your screenplay or TV script so nobody could steal it from you, was getting 25,000 new unsolicited scripts per month to keep from literally getting its members buried under the avalanche of bad writing. It offered a service to all writers and would-be writers. Send us a one-page synopsis of your script, and we will print it in a book, which we will send free to all the studios. It will be thousands of pages long, and you have to pay us $100 for that one page. They were swamped with more one-page synopses than they could print. The stories, and again, these are the stories from 1990, are not only timeless, but they underscore that every genius idea you may ever have had to get Tom Cruise or Benedict Cumberbatch to look at your script was, to quote James Thurber, done faster and better by Robert Benchley in 1919. The 1990 New York Times piece quoted a movie publicity agent, quote, she had recently attended traffic school in Beverly Hills and the instructor, a police officer, had opened the session by holding up several scripts he had written and asking if there were any agents in the class. A prominent psychologist used to spend her nights typing other people's movie scripts because she would pick up some pointers as she did this, and she got to meet the real writers and pitch them her ideas. 
No script reader can ever say how many, but they do all agree that not a day goes by when they do not receive at least one script from a prison inmate who includes his number, and it ain't for his phone. At KCBS, my lead sports producer used to write sitcom episodes in his spare time, and his wife, who was the videotape editor, she used to write drama episodes in her spare time. It's easy, she told me. You got five minutes? I'll show you how. And she was right. I then wrote a movie script for a baseball book that I had enjoyed, and I thought Jeff Daniels would have been perfect in, and I tried to buy the film rights to the book, and then I said, what the hell am I doing? I have a full-time job here that pays half a million a year. Let somebody else make a dollar. Maybe the would-be writer who said that or got that dollar was the one I was thinking of. Upon his arrival in L.A., he took a job as a waiter in the commissary at Fox so he could hand his scripts to the executives as they ate. Sounds stupid, right? He's the guy who wound up editing that directory with the one-page synopses of everybody else's script. He's full-time in entertainment. I'm making a point here that while you may understandably see the joint WGA and SAG after strikes as an annoyance, as a harshing of your binging buzz in the months to come, understand it not only shuts down 18 out of every thousand people in L.A., they don't have an income now, but 18 more who press their suits and dresses, and 18 more who sell them the computers they write their scripts on, and 18 more who service the cars or who run the subways they take to work. It is a cataclysm. Los Angeles is a factory town. And I mean, the writers can usually do other things to make some money. They can write. But the actors? How many actors do you know? I know a lot. Without a script, it often surprised me that they could find their way to the restaurant we were supposed to have dinner at. I won't mention any names. I don't have an hour. One last anecdote, and I looked hard for the facts of this online. I can't find it. Let me know if this rings a bell. But at some point in the last 30 years, a truly genius idea hit a small-time filmmaker. He went to one of L.A.'s ubiquitous giant 24-hour supermarkets. Might have been a Ralph's. Might have been a Hughes. Might have been the Hughes I used to live in at Beverly and Doheny. Might have been an Alpha Beta. There, he set up his camera and his microphone, and he simply stopped everybody who went in or came out and who would give him 30 seconds to answer his one and only three-word question. He asked young men and old women with walkers. He asked mothers with babes in strollers and punkers with purple hair and gay couples and cops and gay cops and everybody. And how I wish I had this video or just the stats from it in front of me. But the bottom line was more or less this. His three-word question that he asked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Angelinos in front of the supermarket was simply this. How's your screenplay? If I remember it correctly, I believe that only one third of them answered, what screenplay? The other 66% said, oh, it's in development at Warner's, or I I'm just finishing the rewrite tonight, in fact, or yeah, it's, it, it's here in my bag. Do you know anybody? 
the lesson was, the lesson is, the lesson to remember as a consumer during this strike is that these people he interviewed were from all the different walks of life, except in Southern California, for all intents and purposes, all the different walks of life are acting or writing or producing. Still ahead on Countdown, Fridays with Thurber and a story that is simultaneously misogynistic and a confirmation of Thurber's belief repeated again and again in story after story for 60 years that women were far superior to men. Mr. Preble gets rid of his wife. First time for the Daily Roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze. New York State Congressman Mike Lawler, who I am ashamed to say reps my high school haunts of Tarrytown, New York. The Daily Beast reported this exclusively. Ever looked at a Wikipedia page like your Wikipedia page or some Wikipedia page that you know something about and wondered what would happen if you decided to correct some of the calumnies and inaccuracies and outright fictions that maybe are about you? Well, Mike Lawler did. 26 times, and he made the edits. One of them, done by an account using the same handle as Lawler's personal Facebook and YouTube accounts, was to the notable alumni list on the Manhattan College Wikipedia page, which suddenly listed Congressman Mike Lawler. Wikipedia warned Lawler in May, you can't edit stuff about yourself surreptitiously. You want to put in a quote from yourself, that's one thing. And then when he kept doing it, they apparently banned him from making any more edits. At least that's what the Daily Beast reports. So the congressman can't now add in the fact that he's just made worse persons in the world. So if some friend of his could do it for him, I'm sure he'd appreciate it. The runners up the Fresh and Fit podcast hosted by likely closeted incels Myron Gaines and Walter Weeks, which proclaims itself as the voice of the manosphere covering, quote, females, fitness, and finances. Well, make that females, fitness, and finances, and Fuentes the Holocaust denier. Two episodes this month swerved from why women deserve less to, quote, the JQ. That's the Jewish question, unquote. And the questions then became, should you try to cop a feel on a first date or simply sit around with her and listen to their guest, the anti-Semite scumbag Nick Fuentes, rant on about white supremacy and how the Holocaust never happened and never once realized that most white supremacists don't consider Nick Fuentes to be white. Surprise, Nick. They'll get you yet anyway. But our winner's state representative, Bob Young, a beautiful downtown green Ohio. And Bob is a very active Republican. How active, you say? Summit County sheriffs say Republican Bob was arguing with a friend at his own home at 1 a.m. Friday, as one does, when Republican Bob's wife, Tina, stuck her hand up in front of his face to, quote, stop him from yelling. Well, 
Republican Bob grabbed her arm, then hit her in the face with his open hand. When she started to phone the police, he threw her phone into the swimming pool. She then put the kids in the car to get them out of there, and she drove to her brother-in-law's house. That would be Republican Bob's own brother. The brother-in-law protected her and the kids, and when Republican Bob drove up, his brother went outside to tell him he was not welcome there, whereupon Republican Bob, quoting the police report, lowered his shoulder and charged. And he went through the glass storm door at about 3 a.m. His brother's glass storm door. Republican Bob has been charged on counts including domestic violence, but no, he will not resign, even though the Republican speaker wants him to because he's Republican Bob. Punchline? Republican Bob is also being sued for $1 million by his Democratic opponent in the last election, a man named Matt Shaughnessy, because Republican Bob ran ads falsely accusing Matt Shaughnessy of domestic violence. Ohio State Republican Bob Storm Doors a Specialty Young. Today's worst person in the world! Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
To the top of the countdown and Fridays with Thurber. And I am not going to dare suggest to you that there isn't at least something misogynistic about Mr. Preble gets rid of his wife. But the ultimate point of this short story so masterfully crafted by James Thurber, this matter-of-fact style that almost makes you forget you are hearing about a man trying to murder his wife, is in a larger sense about the fact that women are more successful than men. This story does not compliment men, it does not compliment women, it does not compliment human beings, but it is still marvelous. Mr. Preble Gets Rid of His Wife by James Thurber. Mr. Preble was a plump, middle-aged lawyer in Scarsdale. He used to kid with his stenographer about running away with him. Let's run away together, he would say during a pause in dictation. All righty, she would say. One rainy Monday afternoon, Mr. Preble was more serious about it than usual. Let's run away together, said Mr. Preble. All righty, said his stenographer. Mr. Preble jingled the keys in his pocket and looked out the window. My wife would be glad to get rid of me, he said. Would she give you a divorce? asked the stenographer. I don't suppose so, he said. The stenographer laughed. You'd have to get rid of your wife she said. Mr. Preble was unusually silent at dinner that night. About half an hour after coffee, he spoke without looking up from his paper. Let's uh, go down in the cellar, Mr. Preble said to his wife. What for? She said, not looking up from her book. Oh, I don't know, he said. We uh, never go down in the cellar anymore the way we used to. We never did go down in the cellar that I remember, said Mrs. Preble. I could rest easy the balance of my life if I never went down in the cellar. Mr. Preble was silent for several minutes. Supposing I said it meant a whole lot to me, began Mr. Preble. What's come over you? his wife demanded. It's cold down there, and there's absolutely nothing to do. We could uh, pick up pieces of coal said Mr. Preble. We might get up some sort of game with pieces of coal. I don't want to, said his wife. Anyway, I'm reading. Listen, said Mr. Preble, rising and walking up and down. Why won't you come down in the cellar? You can read down there as far as that goes. There isn't a good enough light down there, she said. And anyway, I'm not going to go down in the cellar. You may as well make up your mind to that. Gee whiz, said Mr. Preble, kicking at the edge of a rug. Other people's wives go down in the cellar. Why is it you never want to do anything? I come home, worn out from the office, and you won't even go down in the cellar with me. God knows it isn't very far. It isn't as if I was asking you to go to the movies or someplace. I don't want to go, shouted Mrs. Preble. Mr. Preble sat down on the edge of a Davenport. All right, all right he said. He picked up the newspaper again. I wish you'd let me tell you more about it. It's, it's kind of a surprise. Will you quit harping on that subject? asked Mrs. Preble. Listen, said Mr. Preble, leaping to his feet. I might as well tell you the truth instead of beating around the bush. I want to get rid of you so I can marry my stenographer. Is there anything especially wrong about that? People do it every day. Love is something you can't control. We've been all over that. 
said Mrs. Preble. I'm not going to go all over that again. I just wanted you to know how things are, said Mr. Preble. But you have to take everything so literally. Good Lord. Do you suppose I really wanted to go down in the cellar and make up some silly game with pieces of coal? I never believed that for a minute, said Mrs. Preble. I knew all along you wanted to get me down there and bury me. You can say that now, after I told you, said Mr. Preble, but it would never have occurred to you if I hadn't. You didn't tell me. I got it out of you, said Mrs. Preble. Anyway, I'm always two steps ahead of what you're thinking. You're never within a mile of what I'm thinking, said Mr. Preble. Is that so? I knew you wanted to bury me the minute you got set foot in this house tonight. Mrs. Preble held him with a glare. Now that's just plain damn exaggeration, said Mr. Preble, considerably annoyed. You knew nothing of this sort. As a matter of fact, I never thought of it until just a few minutes ago. It was in the back of your mind, said Mrs. Preble. I suppose this filing woman put you up to it. You needn't get sarcastic, said Mr. Preble. I have plenty of people to file without having her file. She doesn't know anything about this. She isn't in on it. I was going to tell her you'd gone to visit some friends and fell over a cliff. She wants me to get a divorce. That's a laugh, said Mrs. Preble. That's a laugh. You may bury me, but you'll never get a divorce. She knows that. I told her that, said Mr. Preble. I mean... I told her I'd never get a divorce. Oh, you probably told her about burying me too, said Mrs. Preble. That's not true, said Mr. Preble with dignity. That's between you and me. I was never going to tell a soul. You'd blab it to the whole world. Don't tell me, said Mrs. Preble. I know you. Mr. Preble puffed at his cigar. I wish you were buried now it was all over with, he said. "'Don't you suppose you would get caught, you crazy thing?' she said. "'They always get caught. "'Why don't you go to bed? "'You're just getting yourself all worked up over nothing. "'I'm not going to bed,' said Mr. Preble. "'I'm going to bury you in the cellar. "'I got my mind made up to it. "'I don't know how I could make it any plainer.' "'Listen!' cried Mrs. Preble, throwing her book down. "'Will you be satisfied and shut up if I go down in the cellar? "'Can I have a little peace if I go down in the cellar? "'Will you let me alone, then?' "'Yes,' said Mr. Preble, "'but you spoil it by taking that attitude. "'Sure, sure, I always spoil everything. "'I stop reading right in the middle of a chapter. "'I'll never know how the story comes out, "'but that's nothing to you.' "'Did I make you start reading that book?' "'asked Mr. Preble. "'He opened the cellar door. "'Here, you go first. "'said Mrs. Preble, starting down the steps. "'It's cold down here. "'You would think of this at this time of the year.' Any other husband would have buried his wife in the summer. You can't arrange those things just whenever you want to, said Mr. Preble. I didn't fall in love with this girl till late fall. Anybody else would have fallen in love with her long before that. She's been around for years. Why is it you always let other men get in ahead of you? Mercy, but it's dirty down here. What have you got down there? I was going to hit you over the head with a shovel, said Mr. Preble. You were, huh? said Mrs. Preble. Well, get that out of your mind. You want to leave a great big clue right here in the middle of everything where the first detective that comes snooping around will find it? Go out in the street and find some piece of iron or something. Something doesn't belong to you. All right, said Mr. Preble, but there won't be any 
piece of iron in the street. Women always expect to pick up a piece of iron anywhere. If you look in the right place, you'll find it, said Mrs. Preble. And don't be gone long. Don't you dare stop in at the cigar store. I'm not going to stand down here in this cold cellar all night and freeze. All right, said Mr. Preble. I'll hurry. And shut that door behind you, she screamed after him. Where were you born? In a barn? Mr. Preble Gets Rid of His Wife by James Thurber. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown Musical Directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. Sports music is the Olderman theme from ESPN2, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Stevie Van Zant. Everything else was pretty much my fault. Don't forget, Countdown now also available on YouTube. Subscribe there as well as here. Give yourself options. Let's count down for this the 920th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him again while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is Monday, though I'm going to warn you, if the news continues this light, I might give myself a two and a half day weekend and just do headlines on Monday and a bunch of things I promised not to tell. We'll see. There'll be something on Monday. Bulletins is the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.